Hey, what's up? It's Mark from We Got This with Mark and Hal. If you missed our special public domain winter spectacular that took place on December 10th live on House Seats, do not despair. You can still buy a ticket and check out the show through the rest of the holiday season. That's right. This episode will not be released for a long time. It is going into the vault. The only way you can enjoy it, including the amazing musical performances by our friends, the Double Clicks, Paul and Storm, Autumn Reeser, Open, Mike Eagle, Mike Furman, and Molly Lewis. The only way you can do that is by buying access at HouseSeats.Live. And by the way, those tickets, they benefit Lyft which is a charity that empowers families to break the cycle of poverty. It will be available through the holidays. And if you get access now, you'll be able to watch it as many times as you want throughout the holidays. So do not miss it. You're going to want to watch it multiple times, especially the huge finale. There's so much going on. There's no way to ingest it all in one shot. So go to HouseSeats.Live to get your tickets right now. And for now... Enjoy this episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Christmas villain. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. You know, the true spirit of Christmas, Mark, is in forgiving. As in, I hope the person who suggested this will forgive me because I forgot who it was and did not write it down. But Boo. I love it's the topic. It's a really fun topic, yeah. Every time I think that we're out of Christmas slash holiday topics, one will come up and you'll think, well, how have we not done that? And yet here is one that we have not yet covered. And I've been watching a lot of Christmas and holiday television shows and movies over the past couple of weeks. Sure, it's the season for it. I feel prepared for this. I feel fairly prepared for it. There are some characters on here from things. Look, there is so much Christmas and holiday-themed entertainment out there. One could not possibly have seen it all. And there are some in here that, uh, that, thanks to Kate McManus, of course, for this amazing list of Christmas villains. And we've added a couple of our own personal favorites. I think there are some that jump to the top of this list. I don't think this list is by any means exhaustive, but I think it's got pretty much every major villain that we're going to want to talk about. And also some that are clearly a few of Kate's favorites and a few of Hal and my favorites are popping up on here as well. Absolutely. So let's talk about them. What what do you think makes a good Christmas villain? Well, they have to somehow be stopping Christmas from happening in some way, whether it's actually an antagonist of Santa Claus or if it's someone who gets in the way of the spirit of Christmas. One could argue that while he is while he winds up being a hero or at least is the central character that Scrooge is the villain of his own story until mm-hmm. he sees the 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 light of his ways he's certainly a villain in Bob Cratchit's story until until he reverses course he's given the opportunity to redeem himself but before that he's he makes him work Christmas Eve. He -hmm. wants him to come in the next day, I think, or he'll have to quit. Somebody who defies Christmas. We also have a couple figures in here that are literal demonic figures from holiday lore that we're going to get into as well, or at least just weird characters from lore. Let's go back just a little bit before we get into the folklore characters, because I think this is something that we need to establish up front in our question about best Christmas villain, because there are two characters on here who begin their story as villains, but by the end have learned the true meaning of the holiday spirit and are really are the protagonist of their story. And I don't know if I would consider them Christmas villains. And that would be Ebenezer Scrooge and the Grinch. What are your thoughts on this? I thought one of them for sure was going to be Stripe from the Gremlins. I agree with you. I think that they're (laughs) good characters. Mm-hmm. The Grinch is the villain. The story is told from the villain's point of view, but mm-hmm. it's about the day that the villain became not a hero, but just accepting and accepted love into their hearts. Yes. And became either more human or more compassionate in the case of the Grinch or more human in the case of Scrooge. It's about them gaining some form of empathy. 
So do you think we're looking for a round character that learns a lesson or are we looking for a flat character that fills the villain function and gets some sort of comeuppance? I'll be honest. Scrooge is the most boring part of A Christmas Carol. (laughs) It's a great role. And by the yeah. way, thank you, Ken. Adam Kenyon is the one who came up with it. It's a Christmas miracle. Hey. Santa Ken has brought us the person who suggested the topic, which I could not find through a simple Facebook search. But I, I, it's really all about the ghosts, and it's a great scene-chewing type character, but mm-hmm. I don't find him that compelling. Oh, I think he's com- – he, to me, he is. I think – He's just a terrible boss. Yeah, I don't think as a I don't I don't think of him as the villain of it. I think of right. him as a flawed tragic character that ultimately learns a lesson. And I think the Grinch is the same way. So wow, it I mean oh, We're talking about the Grinch. Uh, by the way, I do not I know a lot of people grew up with it and I am mm-hmm. a huge Jim Carrey fan, but I do not recognize when I talk about the Grinch, I talk only about the animated version. I do not talk oh, about the Jim Carrey version. I like the Jim they, Carrey version because the, he's never a villain in that film. He's, he's always, just a clown. Well, he was outcast by the Who's. They bullied yeah. him, so he's getting his revenge. As opposed to, I hate Christmas. I hate you. Don't know why he yeah. is. Please don't ask why. Is. No one quite knows the reason. Is in the book exactly, that, and that yeah. makes him more compelling. He's also very effective. He mm-hmm. pretty much gets everything done that he wants to get done, <laughs> but it ultimately his heart grows because he sees that the holiday is not about all of the physical things that he's removed. Mm-hmm. And when he realizes that, that unlocks his empathy. But you talk is, about that empathy and the unlocking of the empathy and his yeah. heart growing. And is the best villain a villain that learns their lesson in the end? Or is the best villain a villain? You know what I mean? Yeah. I He's also like more of a thief than a villain. Like, if you want a really good villain, and this is really planting a flag in this debate, Hans mm-hmm. Gruber is a great villain. I This is, you know what? This is another pre-debate that we need to have. Uh-huh. Where do you fall on this? Hans Gruber is a great villain. Yes, of course, the villain from Die Hard. Die Hard is a movie that takes place at Christmas. He's a thief disguising himself as a terrorist, which is a great cover. Yes. He has them all working on freeing these political prisoners. Meanwhile, yes. they're, they're I still maintain stuff. Die Hard is an action movie that takes place at Christmas. And I think it is a Christmas movie because of, because it takes place. Christmas is such a big part of it. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Can't do that in July. I know. But is, is Hans Gruber trying to destroy Christmas? For those people at the I office party, I yes. knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew when I asked it. I, look, I think Hans Gruber is an incredible cinema villain. I don't think of him as a Christmas villain. I'm sorry. Wow. I will concede that we can say that Die Hard, in a tongue-in-cheek fashion, is a Christmas movie. Tongue- this isn't we got this. The we got this doesn't mean we got our tongue in this cheek. That's not yeah. what it means. Okay, then I will. You know what? I'm going to go back on. Uh, did we have? Did we ever determine definitively if Die Hard is a Christmas movie? No. Maybe we no. should save that for its own episode. You Here's know what? what we're we'll going to s- do. We'll, we'll save that sa- for its oh, own episode. Let's do. That's going to be our Christmas episode this year. We're going to settle this because we obviously are on opposite sides. Yeah. So gather your evidence, <laughs> and we may do a double feature. How about this? Oh, we're Ooh. just figuring this out. Die is Die Hard, Hard two an Easter movie? Stop it. No, Die Hard 2 is an airplane movie. <laughs> it's a flight it's a flight simulator. We'll talk about Die Hard, we'll also talk about Lethal Weapon. Okay. Cuz that is also a Christmas movie, I would uh. contend. But hey, we'll figure that out later. We are removing Hans Gruber. He's out of the running because at this point we have not yet adjudicated whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Even yeah. though we may have discussed it and figured it out at some other point, that will we be. We do not remember. We've done redone. 301 episodes. That's right. So forget about it, everybody. Forget what you thought you knew. Just yeah. when you think you have the answers, we change the questions. But <laughs> all right, but well, gremlins, while we're on the same, while we're on this, I was just gonna say while we're on this topic, that is a Christmas movie. The Gremlins, I do think Gremlins is a Christmas movie. It is a horror comedy set at Christmas. Yeah, and Gizmo is a Christmas present. Like Christmas really is a big part of that movie. It would be like if the entire reason a movie takes place is because someone is traveling to try to win their family back on Christmas. Huh. Wait, what? Something to think about. We'll talk about it in another week. (laughs) 
All right. So, but Stripe as the talk about Stripe? villainous yeah. gremlin in sure. Gremlins is a, he's a really fun Christmas villain. I don't think he's going to ultimately win because he does not have the benefit of uh, language. And so often great turns of phrase are what make a Christmas villain. I, look, there's one that jumps to the top of the list for me, obviously, as a fan of this movie. Mr. Tackleton from Christmas on the Hearth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the ones i saw on the list and i was like that's just something kate loves you're like who who uh no is mr potter you know with such great classic bah humbug lines as and a happy new year to you in jail you know what i mean like he just is a a big old terrible grump now mark what i hate to do this uh-huh. to you but we appeared many years ago on the judge john hodgman program yes and he even intimated that that It's a Wonderful Life is not a Christmas movie. It's a Wonderful Life. It is a Christmas movie, though. It is. Of course, we, it's that a is a conceit movie. we'll take. I think Mr. Yeah. Potter is certainly a finalist. He does not learn the – he is a greed and money-centered person who yeah. does dishonest things to try to destroy the family business. And it's a great performance. It's a great role. He does not learn his way. He doesn't really get his he come up. He never gets come up. He never no. gets arrested. He keeps and the money. Jail. Yeah. He keeps the money that he steals from George Bailey and he never gets arrested. Nothing bad ever happens to Mr. Potter. He's very effective. Yeah. Cause I think we'll, we'll talk a little more about Potter in the finals. Yeah. You want to talk about Stripe more? <laughs> Let's figure out how we're going to draw our finalists for this. Okay. Because again, there are, there are clearly some on this list that we have. I don't want to go through the whole, you know what? I will. I always go through the whole list. No, wait, Let's wait, go wait. Hold, the on. Whole list. hold on. Wait. I, I don't want you to just say a bunch of names right now. I think it's fun to sort of talk about them as they come up. And there will be some here that we do not discuss. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned Mr. Tackleton in passing. That is the most, I can't believe that I've said his name twice. That is the most he's going to be discussed in this episode. So I do want to say that just them having a good line is not enough, I don't think, to eliminate Stripe. I do think Stripe is just acting. That's just what gremlins do. That's what happens when you expose them to water and then feed them after midnight. That is the penalty for that is these gremlins appear and they're just pure chaos. So It's like claiming that Jaws is a villain. Jaws is just a shark. Sure. Yes. Or that you know? the, the xenomorph the, from Alien mm-hmm. and Aliens is a villain. It is a creature that is – that is what they do. Mm-hmm. It is acting in its nature. It is not specifically – Stripe doesn't have it in for Christmas. Right. He No, he just is pure chaos. He is uh, chaotic evil. Yes, exactly. But Good with you. no ill intent. Well, no, it's just not – he's not acting out of some master plan. Right. So let's talk, uh, let's, okay, let's start, uh, let's like start, uh, going with, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Not a Christmas movie. Mm, we'll see. Let's divide them into some categories here. Sure. And I want to start with the villains. I think we can pull one from this category. We've been given this list from Kate and I know I'm resisting the urge right now to just go through and read everyone on the list. I know Hal doesn't like that as much as I do. Mm-hmm. But to put everyone on the same page, we've got some real, real classics like the Mouse King from the Nutcracker. We've got a bunch of Rankin and Bass villains from those specials. We've also got some fun villains from 80s and 90s movies mm-hmm. and some from the Christmas classics. So let's some start from very recent movies, some from very recent movies. Let's start with the Rankin Bass characters. Sure. Since we've done a full episode on Rankin-Bass on this show, here are some of the villains from the Rankin-Bass universe. We've got the Bumble, who is the abominable snow monster from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Bumble's Bounce. Bumble's Bounce, as we know. Mr. Tackleton from Christmas on the Hearth in 1967, which is, uh, that's the last time I'll mention his name. We've got Professor Hinkle from Frosty the Snowman, the magician who loses his magic hat. He doesn't lose it. He throws his hat away and then when the children take it out of the trash and put it on Frosty's head, that is when Hinkle realizes that the hat is magical and spends the rest of the episode chasing him. We've mm-hmm. also got Burgermeister Meisterburger, the villain from Santa Claus is Coming to Town, who mm-hmm. was uh Paul Freeze, right? Paul Freeze, who was later pretty much exactly replicated with Kubla Klaus in Jack Frost, the somewhat later uh, Rankin-Bass movie. You've got the Snow Miser and the Heat Miser from The Year Without a Santa Claus, who have that fantastic production number. I'm too much battling against one another. Do any of these, do you think of any of these as being real finalists? I want to give the Bumble a hug. Yeah. 
The Bumble, I think, is the same thing as a gremlin. The Bumble is not doing anything that Bumbles don't he's do. He's hurt. His tooth is hurt. Yeah. Yeah. The Bumble is just, he's just a, a he's the abominable snow monster. He's part of the allegory. You know what I mean? He's, he's yeah. there to represent Rudolph's fears and then is there at the very end when Hermie, Rudolph's friend, literally makes the thing that Rudolph is fearing toothless by pulling out all of his teeth. Yeah. And at the end, he's the one that puts the star on the top of the tree when they bring the bumble, when Yukon Cornelius story. brings them back around. So yeah, it's again, it's one of these redemption stories. I think I, of these, if I were going to pick one, I'd probably pick Snow Miser, Heat Miser only because of the song. That's such an iconic song of the TV holiday specials. Yeah. Probably maybe the, I mean, outside of the Holly, outside of Holly Jolly Christmas, Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph Silver the Red Nose Reindeer. Silver and gold. I think even more than silver and gold, people. That song, the heat miser, I'm Mr. Cold Miser. Like that song mm-hmm. is now has trended on TikTok. So oh, it really? Has a new life even now. Yeah. So oh, good. People, I've seen people do these people who do incredible makeup will do one half of their face snow, one half of their face heat. Oh, while that's, brilliant! While they lip sync to that song, and it's it's amazing, and it's cool to see that that piece of culture from something that came out almost 50 years ago is mm-hmm. still finding relevance even outside of just when that special airs. I do think though, that they are still such lovable characters. They all that's, the, and well, they do get they're lovable and they're just brothers who are in a fight. That's sure. their main thing is they're not trying to ruin anything for anyone. Mm-hmm. They are just like, it's, their their whole scene in the original year without a santa claus the protagonists of the story the two elves that go off to save christmas they're just caught in the crossfire of these two brothers fighting each other right this is not actively the villain fighting against these guys trying to ruin christmas they simply get caught in the epic age old battle between snow and heat Right. And they're the, they're the sons of mother nature or mother earth, whatever they, what do they call her in it? But they are, they're, they're an absolute blast. And that was what that's, I think that song is what puts them at the top of the list for me behind only one other character who Burger I will Meister make Meister Burger, Burger Meister Meister Burger. It is Paul Freeze at his hilarious best. Freeziest. <laughs> at his, at his freeziest. This is a character who sings a song about how much he hates toys and children (laughs) and then he spends the entire like basically the premise of this is everything that santa claus does to get into your home to give you toys for christmas all of these things are just because of roadblocks that burgermeister meisterburger put in his way so this is a character who flat out not only does he hate christmas he hates three things Santa Claus, mm-hmm. children, yep. and toys. Like this is, he has no motivation other than spite and anger and dislike for joy. Yeah. He literally wants the whole of his country to be gray and colorless because he does not like joy in any form. <laughs> and also because Paul Freeze is so good as this character. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I would, I'd go, I can, I would go with pulling the Burgermeister out from this. He is definitely more, more archetypal villain and villain specifically against Christmas things. So Mm -hmm. that kind of makes him a prototype to sort of check some of these others against. Yeah, I think so. I think he really does represent antagonism toward Christmas. But, but someone like the Mouse King. Mm-hmm. Is not necessarily anti-Christmas as much as a villain in a beloved story right. that is part of the Christmas holiday. So are we saying that the Mouse King couldn't possibly win or someone like him because he's not actively trying to undermine Christmas? Or is he a great villain that exists in a Christmas story? I think that he's – the Mouse King is it's, – it's tough because it's a ballet – so you don't, you also don't have the benefit of language in this. And I feel like the Mouse King is less a villain going against Christmas and more the villain in the story of an imaginative child. Right. Well, every story has to have a hero and a villain. So the Mouse mice. King is, the Mouse King is the villain. Yeah. This kid doesn't like mice. So Anti-mouse. the Mouse King is the villain in this. This feels more like 
a figment of imagination. I'm kind of sick of all the anti-mouse media that's out yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, anti-mouse it's, look, bias. In Scrooged, they were going to staple little antlers to mice. That's right. I mean, you know, you've seen what Pluto puts Mickey through. Well, to be fair, what Chip and Dale put Pluto through and by, you know, the transitive property, what they put Mickey through at Christmas time. I mean, Mickey is Bob Cratchit. You saw what, uh, what Uncle Scrooge, how mean he was to poor Mickey Bob Cratchit. Do you think that Pluto hates Mickey and fears him because Mickey had human teeth implanted into Pluto's mouth? It's possible. It's something that just sort of simmers underneath their relationship at all times. I mean, so those he, chompers on Pluto are pretty like game show perfect. Well, Pluto's whole thing seems to be how afraid he is of upsetting Mickey in any way, shape <laughs> or form. Like it's all about how it's going to affect Mickey. And I think that's because maybe the next thing is a pair of human ears. Wow. The ears go next. <laughs> how do you like your new teeth, Pluto? The biggest feature of Mickey Mouse is his ears. He wouldn't give Pluto mouse ears. Only one of us has big ears around here, Buster. Wow. You know what it sounds like you're doing, Hal? It sounds like you're being anti-mouse right now. I'm not. I well. Are you mouse. falling into the trap? You're falling into the trap, I Hal. Am. Oh, my goodness. You're falling into the holiday anti-mouse trap. I don't want to do that. Mice are fine. Yeah. My goodness. What have I become? Am I, I the don't worst think it's villain? the mouse king. You are the worst villain. I'm going to put myself on the spreadsheet villain. real quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So out of the Rankin Bass, we're, I think I'm, I'm happy taking Burgermeister Meister Burger. Yes, agreed. How about we talk about some of the ones from history? Yeah. How about we do? Some of the folklore ones. Tell me about Krampus, Hal. Krampus, the, the demon, the Christmas demon. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, he has his own, about? he has his own horror movie. So you can just start there. Yeah. I mean, that's the pretty good Christmas villain he's, if you have your own he's horror. He's like movie. a horned half goat, half demon. And he punishes children who have missed. So here in America and, and a lot of common, a lot, a lot of common countries, the thing that happens is you get coal if you're a bad mm -hmm. child, especially in the U.S. Mm -hmm. In Central Europe, this half goat, oh, yeah. half demon shows up and punishes you. You get punished. And they're, they're, yeah. we're going to talk about somebody else who punishes, who is sort of like a half Santa, half Krampus. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's, I don't think Krampus is going to make you sit in the corner, if you know what I mean. No, no, no. Get a picture is going to pull your entrails out. I mean, he is like many things, including the part, you know, we, Santa obviously will give you coal if you misbehave. Mm -hmm. So you are incentivized to be a better child so that Santa will reward you with gifts. And rightly mm -hmm. so. It's good to be a good person. But for children, you have the reminder, hey, Santa's not going to be happy. Right. If you misbehave and imagine living in a country where not only will Santa not visit you if you misbehave, but somebody else will. I mean, and it's Krampus. Look, a if demon if, will come, if Santa Claus is the embodiment of all things joyful and Christmas. Yes. And there is a character named Krampus who is the anti Santa Claus. He's literally the antithesis of Santa Claus. Yes. The opposite side of that coin is that. I mean, that I feel like that gives Krampus a bye to the finals on this one. But is he a villain since he's only really targeting wicked children? I mean, you know, that's interesting is what he is doing. Is he doing it in service of Christmas? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like is Krampus's job. He's not trying to thwart Christmas. He is the other side of the Santa Claus Christmas coin. So maybe that makes him. No, he's a villain. I mean, he's a demon that kills kids. Well, he punishes them, he punishes them. I don't know. Tell us about Belschnickel, who's not going to win, but is a hilarious. Belschnickel is a person who dresses in furs and has candies and cakes and coins for good children. And then the bad children he beats with a switch. <laughs> Now, this is a different – if we're talking about in media. I'm sorry for laughing at the idea of beating with a switch. It was just the rapid-fire way that just rolled off your tongue. Like, that's just what you do. Yeah. So in folklore, Krampus comes to make you good for Christmas. Mm -hmm. He punishes you to be good. doesn't kill you. In the movie, he kills your friends and family and leaves you alive. <laughs> so 
the movie's very, very yeah. villainous. Dark. In reality, he's there to, to try and, you know, when Krampus shows up, <laughs> he may not make you sit in the corner, but he will definitely take your television away. <laughs> and don't think you're going to be hanging out with your friends. Krampus will ground you. Belschnickel yeah. doesn't even, you don't even have the option to choose your own switch. He's got one with him. Now, oh. in the Christmas Chronicles 2, mm-hmm. Belschnickel is a disgraced elf who was cursed to become human. And he plots to steal the portion of the North Star that protects Santa's village. Right. Don't give away too much. This is a brand new Christmas movie. I won't. It's very good. I like the first Christmas Chronicles better. Mm-hmm. But the second one is also great. Has a lot more Goldie Hawn in it, which, come on. Come on. Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell as Santa and Mrs. Claus is it's so good. pretty perfect. And the first Christmas Chronicles really doesn't have a villain in it. It's yeah. really, oh, it's so good. Can we just talk about the Christmas Chronicles for the rest of the time? <laughs> no, we've got to, we've got to get through a lot oh of these, these Christmas villains. So Belschnickel again is one of those guys. He's like not really a, he's a villain in the movie. Even as a villain in the movie, I don't think I would pick him. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would pick him as a finalist. Krampus, I would maybe take out of the folklore. Also, Belschnickel is not only because he is uh, like German. Mm-hmm. In sort of the German area, he came over to the Pennsylvania Dutch community, which is why in the office, which is set in Scranton, Pennsylvania, Dwight Schrute talks about Belschnickel around Christmas and dresses as Belschnickel. <laughs> of course he does. So <laughs> that is a fun, accurate to Pennsylvania. I don't know how, how you managed to do it. I'm very impressed. We are having a conversation about Christmas villains and somehow... You can still relate it to Pennsylvania, your Let's home state. Give me an inch. I'll take you down Broad Street. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look now at a couple of different characters who it's fascinating to me. I'm curious that Kate has them on the list, mm-hmm. but I think it makes sense because so often the antagonist of Christmas is skepticism of the belief in Santa Claus or the belief in the joy of the Christmas time. And I think that that is embodied in a few different characters. I don't think these are huge Christmas villains, but Charlie's parents in the Santa Claus, Charlie's mom and stepdad. And I would include in this the police that wind up trying to arrest Santa Claus at the end of the movie. And also the main character who is unnamed, the main kid in the Polar Express, who is clearly the protagonist of the story. But his skepticism is in direct opposition with the spirit of Christmas. Thoughts? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that's a weak, I think that's kind of weak sauce. I yeah. also think that Charlie's mom and stepdad are not the villains of the Santa Claus. I think Scott Calvin is the villain of Santa Claus. He is a very bad father who yeah. only becomes a good parent because he turns into Santa Claus. Yeah. Because he puts on the Santa suit. And that <laughs> it's a it's a really enjoyable movie. I saw it for the first time. I was last just night. gonna say, by the way, listeners, uh Hal had just saw the Santa Claus for the first time last I'm night. I'm fresh off a of viewing of it. And I get that it's a really a movie and it at its heart, it's a movie about fathers and sons and about mm-hmm. families of mm-hmm. all kinds. And it just he is so unlikable as a dad. Mm-hmm. Like clearly he has a son for the holiday and can't wait for him to be asleep so he can go do something else. So he's trying to rush through the story the night before Christmas. So he's reading it to him and then even wants to deny their, their activity together. The only reason he goes down a chimney in the first place and gets dressed up is because he's insulted his son yet again. And he realizes in that moment, he feels like guilt for a second, but I would argue that he is the villain in that film. And I don't think he's the best. I don't think the best Christmas villain is in the Santa Claus. No. Though in the Santa Claus three, boy is uh is Martin Short as Jack Frost just an absolute blast. Go- Watching Martin Short gobble up scenery is one of my favorite cinematic pastimes. Sure, he's so good. He's so funny. He's so big and loud and over the top, and I love him. All right, I just wanted to. I didn't. I just wanted to give a couple of uh, you know thoughts to those. Now I'd like to, if I may, let's talk about. Some real, one very old and mostly 80s and 90s, some straight up classic Christmas movies and the villains therein. 
okay. I will mention an older one at the beginning. I, I'm, I'm, I don't think he's going to win for the greatest Christmas villain, but he is worth a shot or a mention. The character of Thomas Mara, the psychologist for Macy's in Miracle on 34th Street. Remember back when department stores had psychologists? Yeah. You never stopped at Sears and went to go see the therapist? No, we had to go They had a portrait studio. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wasn't as good. Glamour shots and regression therapy. You do a package. (laughs) So we've got, from a Christmas story, the bully Scott Farkas. Mm -hmm. From Home Alone, we have Harry and Marv, the wet bandits. From the Nightmare Before Christmas, we have Oogie Boogie. From Jingle All the Way, we have Ted Malton. And from Santa Claus the Movie, we have BZ, the owner of BZ Toys, played by John Lithgow. That one was one that I had to make. So I knew he wasn't nearly a, a top contender necessarily, but that is one of my personal all time favorite villain movie performances is John Lithgow in Santa Claus, the movie, just an unscrupulous mid eighties pinstripe suit, hair slick back like Pat Riley villain <laughs> toy manufacturer. Who gets his comeuppance by eating too many of his own candy canes that make you fly, thanks to the magical help of an elf played by Dudley Moore. Right. And he almost too well encapsulates Icarus flying too close to the sun when his comeuppance at the end of the movie is him flying through space, just floating loosely in space because he ate too many floaty candy canes. If you haven't seen Santa Claus in the movie, I... I love this character so much. I mean, it's great. John Lithgow is a fantastic villain. He's great in everything, but as a villain, he is so top-notch. Yeah. It's a very good performance in a movie I remember seeing as an eight-year-old child and thinking, I do not care for this. (laughs) (laughs) I watch this movie every single year. I watched it and thought to myself, who sucked the joy out of Christmas via this movie? (laughs) And then I realized, oh, of course, the Salkinds. Yeah. Hey, they made Superman, though. Yeah, they did. They barely got out of their own way to make Superman. They also ruined Superman. What, with part three? Yeah, they just, they are. Part three is great. Richard Pryor's in it. Part three's not great. Part three has Richard Pryor in it. All right, let's do an episode. Is part three great? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Well, that is a separate. Is Superman three great? Yes and no. Haven't we done best Superman movie? I don't know. Let's stick with the one we're doing right now, Hal. I don't know. Fine. I also want to mention, and I won't talk too much about it because you have not yet watched Jingle Jangle, Mm -hmm. but Keegan-Michael Key as Gustafson is so great. He is, in a movie filled with fantastic performances, he gives the best one of all. And Gustafson is the villain of the movie? He is great as a villain in that movie. I'm excited to see it. I have not sat down and watched it yet. The idea that Netflix made a $140 million Christmas movie with crazy CG and like beautiful Dickensian, but like super colorful North Pole Christmas costumes like it. The whole the visual of it is great. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. I'm sorry you're not going to win, Keegan. We still love you. I want to eliminate somebody else right now also. Okay. And that is Frank Shirley. From National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, I didn't, I didn't say that one. I forgot to mention Played that. Played by one. Brian Doyle Murray. He is Clark's boss who has cut the Christmas bonuses to save some money and instead gives, I think it's a Jelly of the Month Club membership. Yeah. yeah. He's a, he's sort of a weaker, but somewhat more believable in a real world version of Burgermeister Meisterburger. Yeah. And Clark has unwisely without knowing what his bonus. first of all you should know what bonus is coming in let me give you a little financial advice from someone who has received some bonuses in his lifetime Mm -hmm. and is receiving a bonus even this year as part of like it's just part of work you get bonuses around the holiday you don't Mm -hmm. spend that money ahead of time you may have that money earmarked for something and in this case clark has put down what he thinks the amount of the bonus is on he has taken that amount of money out of his account, out of their savings to put a down payment on a pool for their backyard rather than taking that money and then spending it. Like he couldn't have spent it that so, <laughs> uh, so long ago. Like you got to get your deposit in by September. Yeah. Like he could have waited and then done it in January. Still would probably have the pool in time for summer. We're talking about Chicago. It's not like by April you're ready to go swimming outside. Yeah. 
I mean, look, that guy obviously has made some questionable financial decisions in his life, but Family I'll doctor. say he's doing something right because I don't know why he's so worried about money in this movie. And that's sort of his through line. Have you seen the house that guy lives in? They've it's the home alone problem. It's this giant mansion. Like it, 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 this place is this big, beautiful house. It's a large suburban Illinois home. That is for I sure. Mean, it, well, it's a John Hughes. So it's a John it makes Hughes. Sense. Yeah, it's in the John Hughesiverse. So it's, <laughs> it's a very large, very nice home. But I also, I think that uh, just because you have that house, you could have bought it at a time when the market was a little more yeah, favorable. I guess that's true. But he I also should, took. I should make assumptions about people. He could be renting. Got, Audrey's going to be going to college soon enough. I think she's like 15, yeah. 16 in that one. Yeah. I, who knows if the kids are going to private or public school, but he's got. Who also got knows kids. which kid is going to be older than which from, you know, moment to moment. Yeah. His kids have that weird disease where they constantly change age and looks. Yeah. It's very strange. So, you know what? He might have a lot of medical bills based on that. I think in general, Russ is the older. Is Russ older in the original vacation? I think he might be a Russ, little older than Audrey. And Russ then he's, the, he's definitely yeah. older in, in European. Then he's younger in Christmas. And then he's mm-hmm. older again in Vegas. Yeah, but Christmas is the one that everyone watches every year. So it becomes like. It is. Well, I just is watched it brother. a week ago. It's so good. It's so good. It is. It's so, really all right, we're eliminating Frank Shirley. And you know what? I want to eliminate Ted Malton just because I, I didn't see Jingle all the way, unless you can tell me how great a villain Ted Malton is. He's gone. Let's talk about Oogie Boogie. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about – are you a Nightmare Before Christmas fan? I don't think I like it as much as the people who have merchandise around it. Mm-hmm. Like the people who are like, I can't wait until the Haunted Mansion switches over. Right. Although I appreciate it more over the years, I still – it makes me sad when Disneyland is open and operating that there are several months out of the year which I can't go on the Haunted Mansion. I have yeah. to go on a ride around this movie, which is popular enough, by the way – if they wanted to replace a different ride and make it the Nightmare Before Christmas ride, I don't think anybody would be sad about that. You could even theme the ride so you, around Jack so you wanting are, it to be Christmas year round. So he's and how that goes wrong, which is kind of the premise. But Oogie Boogie, it is a Christmas movie in as much as he's trying to make Christmas better because he's kidnapped Santa Claus mm-hmm. and he wants to be Sandy Claus. Mm-hmm. But Oogie Boogie is from Halloween Town. Yeah, Oogie Boogie's not a Christmas character. He's a Halloween character. He's a Halloween character. So I don't think it's him, but he's a great, I mean, it's such he's a great He's great. He's got his gr- a great song. And great that, song. Who voiced him? Whoever it is has that Paul Freeze voice. Paul Freeze. It's always Paul Freeze. <laughs> yeah, Oogie Boogie's got that great song, that big booming voice. But yeah, he's from Halloween Town. He's a Halloween villain. Yeah, I think if, and also Nightmare Before Christmas is kind of a switch hitting movie. Mm-hmm. Where it is a Christmas movie, but it also is a Halloween movie. I think you're more likely to watch it at Halloween mm-hmm. than you are to watch it at Christmas. Yeah. You know what it is for me? It's the first movie of the holiday season. Sure. Because it's your bridge. It's it's one of the only Halloween movies that bridges you into Christmas movies. I mean, it does take place at Christmas, as Ken points out. And that's why it works. I mean, number one, because he's trying to steal... He he wanders into Christmas land and is trying to take mm-hmm. over Christmas. That makes it a Christmas movie as well. But yeah. it also is a it is a Halloween movie about Christmas. Yeah. Rather than a Christmas movie about Halloween. We should do a whole episode of Is This a Christmas movie? Maybe that's what the episode is. That's what that's is. what, that's that what the episode is. We're gonna is this a Christmas some movie? of these uh, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do it. We'll do it once. We'll do, yeah, we'll record it. Yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it. Don't worry. So I guess of the 80s and 90s Christmas movies, it's kind of down to three. I know it's not going to be BZ, so I'll say it's down to two. As much fun as I think John Lithgow is in that movie. I think it is Scott Farkas, the bully from A Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. And the one that is in my heart as some of the greatest, not just Christmas movie villains, but greatest movie villains of all time. Right. Look, Scott Farkas is fun. He's a bully. He has a little bit of screen time. It's really more about Ralphie's fear of him. He gets the crap beaten out of him, and he does get his comeuppance. But the wet bandits in Home Alone are two of the greatest, funniest villains of all time. They're fantastic. Daniel Stern is a revelation. Yeah. And Joe Pesci, also great, in a role that I think was, I think it was his role, that John Lovitz was also in the running for. And it would have been a much oh, really? different movie. As funny as John Lovitz is, 
no matter which of the roles he's trying out for, having those two, it's hard to imagine because it's so, it's so iconic a performance. Anybody but the two of them playing those roles. So much so that they're even great villains because they come back yeah. in the second film. And now they're not even as much about, now they're these sticky bandits. They're no longer the wet bandits, <laughs> right. but their singular focus becomes destroying the child who sent them <laughs> up the river. So they, they transition from oh. burglars to murderers. Oh, it's so They somehow good. get worse. Yeah. Or Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. There is so much in that movie. Like that movie, the entire third act of that movie is just comeuppance. It is yeah. just hilarious villain comeuppance. And it's so rare to see a movie that is as funny as it is that uses slapstick in the way that it does. Yes. It's rare to see really great slapstick. And those two, the slapstick in this movie is so good and so believable, but so over the top that you have a character who thinks it is a good idea yeah. to kill a spider by whacking his friend with a crowbar. And just these, it's the simplest moments. It's Daniel Stern's insane scream. I look of the, the villains that we have left on this list. We have four villains left and each of them, I think, does a very different Christmas villain job. Harry and Marv get hilarious comeuppance. Burgermeister Meisterburger thwarts the concept of Christmas itself. He never really gets his comeuppance. It's just that, oh, the Burgermeister's just their line kind of died off is how it's described in it. But he is this absolute villain against the idea of Christmas. Krampus is the antithesis of Santa Claus, which makes him a default Christmas villain. And Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life, arguably the most beloved Christmas movie, is a picture-perfect classic American cinema villain with a masterful performance delivered by John Barrymore, who incidentally got sick on the day he was supposed to start filming. I don't know. I know I've said this before on the show when we were talking about it. Uh, got sick on the day he was to set to start filming as Ebenezer Scrooge, which is why Reginald Owen wound up getting that job. These are four really, really great Christmas villains. Does it give extra points to Krampus that the modern appearances of him may start in pop culture, may have started with the Very Venture Christmas <laughs> special in 2004? I mean, look, it doesn't hurt him that he is one of our castmates. Sir, that's we've wor we've worked in the same show. Yeah, we've in, we have indirectly worked with Krampus. That's right. Honestly, I don't I don't know that. Hmm. I was going to say, I don't know that Krampus has permeated pop culture, but I also don't know that Burgermeister Meisterburger has permeated pop culture in the same way. Like, I think, well, we have four finalists right now before mm -hmm. we break into this, because I yeah. think I may have a solution that will get us to a decision somewhat quickly. Is it? Why don't we take to a break? Three? No, it's not going to be a count to three. I'm going to leave you in suspense. You are all going to find okay. out what the heck I'm talking about after we hear from some of our amazing sponsors. We'll be right back. I couldn't be happier to say that We Got This is supported in part by Libby. I've been using Libby for years, and I absolutely love it. It's books for free on your phone, people. Come on. Here's what I want to say about it. First of all, it's 100% free. It's created by Overdrive. It lets you borrow ebooks and audiobooks from your library on your phone, tablets, Kindle, or computers. All you need is a valid library card from your library if you don't have one, which I realized I did not. I had, like, some weird local library card. I went online got a library card in 30 seconds, and then was able to get myself set up on Libby. It was that easy. And you want a library card anyway. And even if you don't have one, you can still read free samples of any book you see. And that's one of the benefits of Libby, too. Aside from the fact that it is a great library app, is I was the same way. It forced me to go, oh, I need to go get a library card. I haven't thought about this in forever. And it reminded me that the library is the best idea the world has ever had. Here is all of the knowledge available for free in the world. Libby works just like a physical library. You borrow available books you want to read and then they return themselves automatically after the loan expires so you don't have to worry about late fees like at a regular library. 
That's right. I have my slow cooker book already loaded into the Kindle. I got a cookbook. I'm so excited to use it. But right now, you can do it. Start reading with Libby. Go to meet.libbyapp.com to sign up. That's meet.libbyapp.com. Start reading now. It's fundamental. It's fundamental. (laughs) It is. Reading is fundamental. I know. Hal, how excited are you that we are teaming up with Fortunato number four chocolate? It's so good, and I'm so glad I got to eat it, and you did too. We both got to eat this chocolate, so you know that what we're telling you is 100% true because we are incapable of telling lies about food. Since 2008, Fortunato <laughs> number four chocolate has been prized by top chocolatiers and pastry chefs in Michelin starred restaurants. That's important when I tell you this next part. Made from rare, organically grown heirloom cacao from the jungles of northern Peru, it's never been available to the general public until now. You can actually have it delivered right to your home. The first time that you can get this restaurant quality, like Michelin restaurant quality mm-hmm. chocolate. And yes, you say that this is important what you're saying, but I'm going to say something important too, Hal. Do I'm going to say that Fortunato chocolate is made by a family company that has direct relationships with over 400 farmers and a socially conscious business model that helps farm families earn more. What could be more important than treating your farmers well? Yes. It's available in 36% milk, 47% dark milk, and 68% dark. And which one's your favorite? I got to go with the milk. I'm so used to the milk chocolate that's been kind of processed. And this is Mm -hmm. actual, like, the real McCoy, and it tastes amazing. It's the best milk chocolate I've ever had in my life. It's yes, it's wonderful. It's velvety. It's delicious. But uh, again, I, uh, as always on the show, I have to disagree with you. 68% dark. It's crumbly and yet still snaps. It's delicious. It's bitter and sweet at the same time. It's yeah, uh, it, it's the 68% dark asked and answered. It's sold in oh. 1.1 pound bars with minimal packaging to keep it affordable. Visit podcastchocolate.com slash we got this. Try it for yourself. That's podcastchocolate.com slash we got this. And you're welcome in advance. Okay. I've left you in suspense for all you that have. time. And now the moment of truth. I think this may solve it. We have four finalists for those of you who are still playing along at home. We have Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. We have Burgermeister Meisterburger from Santa Claus is Coming to Town. We have Harry and Marv, the Wet Bandits from Home Alone, and Krampus from Central European Folklore, and also his own horror movie. And also a lot of pop culture stuff, maybe most notably to us, the Very Venture Christmas special. I think I may have the question that will lead us to the proper answer. Okay. Do you feel in this list that there is a there is a, an entry? Is one this of a these finalists? Is this a question that you have formulated around the the one that you want to well, win? No, it occurred to me why I think the winner is who I think it is. Okay, which is that. Not only are they a great villain. I'm sorry. Ask the question. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. Not only are they a great villain because they are, they are somehow anti-Christmas and somehow willing to ruin Christmas. Mm-hmm. But would you, if this person got their own movie and, and for Krampus, they already have had their own movie. It was not mm-hmm. hugely successful. If they had their own movie, would you be interested in watching that? Just to see them by themselves, if, which is to say, if you removed every other element, is there an entry in these four where you would go, I would watch a movie about that finalist? Of course there is. Do you want to say it on three? But but also, I don't think that's the only criteria. I But I think that is, look, there's one that just makes me happier than the others. Okay. And it's Christmas and Christmas is about being happy. Okay. And I think that you're aiming in the same direction that I am. I, I am, but I also want to. I, I I also think you established some criteria up front, and I want to make sure that yeah. what I'm thinking, what you're thinking, do they meet that criteria? All right, let's see what the. So let's list off the criteria. In a Christmas movie, yes, uh-huh. sure. Uh, somehow ruin Christmas, yes. I would watch a movie with them. If you removed all other if elements. I removed all story, other elements. They are yeah. compelling enough as a mm-hmm. character or as characters that you would watch a movie all about them. Yeah. One, two, three. The Harry and Marv. <laughs> People of the world, stuff oh. a towel down the sink drain. <laughs> <laughs> because. Mm. 
All the great ones got a gimmick. <laughs> oh my God. The greatest, this will be, I, I know Mark Evan Jackson does not listen to this podcast. He really doesn't listen to any podcasts. But if he were listening right now, I'd like to think that he would be in full support of this decision, that his favorite movie of all time has logged another win. That's right. We won a history. couple of episodes. In, uh, I, well, we've discussed, we did yeah. the best trap, the Kevin McAllister. Right. <laughs> and that was, that was, that could have been a whole episode. But the, the greatest Christmas villains victimize a home where they think nobody will be. Then they find out it's just a kid and they go do it anyway. They don't care about yeah. this kid. And then they, they make a that it's Christmas. where they just want to kill him. And then they want to kill the kid because the kid got him sent up the river. But really, they got themselves sent up the river. Yeah. Don't be like the wet bandits. And they're also somehow able to be hit on the head with a lot of bricks and be fine. <laughs> Burned, bricked, mm-hmm. paint canned. Yep. Oh. Nailed through the foot. No oh. tetanus. Oh, God. No concussion symptoms. They're fine. Yeah. No third degree burns. They're okay. (laughs) And that's because they're the wet bandits. And they're the best Christmas villains. Collectively. Yeah. Asked and answered. Well, what a delightful, delightful holiday topic. And in this episode, we figured out a whole other episode we're going to have to do now. That's right. We have our next episode. Look at this. We gave ourselves homework. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to adjudicate some of your favorite movies and tell you definitively whether or not they are Christmas movies. We're going to get them from you. We're going to solicit from you. And then we will answer it. So so next week's episode, which will be scant days before Christmas, we will settle this once and for all. That's right. And in the meantime, you can reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets. Check out the Maximum Fun subreddit or you can email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com or go to the Facebook group where it's all going down. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus for this wonderful list for us to work off of. Graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. Yes, thank you, Kate. We're going to go watch Christmas from the Hearth right now. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for listening to us talk about Christmas villains and get very excited at the idea of someone getting thwapped in the chest with a crowbar. This has been a delight. You are always a delight, and you are the reason we do this show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Agliardi. For Mark Agliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.